Hey there, thank you for joining us here at the Momfluentials podcast, where moms meet up to talk about how we use our influence and power, what we have in common, what we differ on, and how we can all work together for a healthier and more sustainable future for ourselves and our children. I'm Kimberly Pinkson, your host today, and I'm so, so happy you're here with me to meet our next fabulous guest and mom of influence. Our guest today is Aisha Matthews Wadwa, a powerful, compassionate, and wise designer and creator, entrepreneur, philanthropist, and fierce advocate for the female economy. She has been a key player in the strategy and creative direction for global companies, including Apple, Facebook, Sephora, and the Smithsonian, a founding limited partner at Nathrie Futures Fund, I hope I pronounced that right, and an advisor for the Asian Art Museum and Donna Inc., a B Corp fashion brand. Aisha is current head of brand, creative, and experience at an AI deep learning startup. She is also a wife and mother, whom I am blessed to call a dear friend and confidant. Aisha, welcome to Momfluentials. Thank you, Kimberly. That was like a glowing introduction. It's easy um, because when I think of you, glow is actually one of the words that comes to mind. Uh, but it's also your voice because it's like buttery smooth and captivating, as our listeners will be hearing. But also the words that come out of you are just so eloquent and and wise and inspiring. Not to mention your physicality is absolutely gorgeous, but just your insights and, and the way that you speak and the words that you use and the intonations. I met you as this already formed incredible woman, but I imagine that even as a child, you were probably pretty precocious and impressive. So I'd love to start at the beginning and hear a little bit about your childhood in Bangalore. Okay. Uh, by the way, I'm so glad we're recording this because I might be playing that mm-hmm. on repeat. Just what you said. It was so kind and feels very self-indulgent. Mm. Isn't that funny, though? We need to remind ourselves and each other, right, of our, our strengths, which is kind of how we met with that like women's support group, 1010, right? Yes. It's like we all need our own hype track, right? If it's hype music or hype speech, whatever <laughs> yeah. it might be, I think it's uh, it's really healthy to to have um, have some of that, you know, ready to go on days when you may not, um, you know, be feeling your best and most confident self. Um, so you asked to rewind to um, to to my childhood, and um, you're right. I think I was a precocious and um fairly you know I, I think my parents have their hands full with me i was uh born in chennai which is in south india and that's where my grandparents lived although my hometown is kerala and i spent uh, my formative years in mumbai for a short bit in Ahmedabad, and then chennai before we settled down in bangalore around the time i was four and um i think for the most part like my earliest memories um of home you know were were just like happy happy you know childhood memories i had a an extended family of cousins in um in chennai so i remember really happy like summer vacations going back um to visit and uh it it was just incredibly hot like similar to the, the, the weather we're experiencing in the Bay Area for the past two days. And uh, I remember we would sleep on the terraces at night because there was, you know, there were fans, but no air conditioning. And that was really, uh, you know, all part of the adventure. But um, 
by and large, I think, you know, um, I remember starting school around four, which like, you know, um, like kindergarten is, is where um, we started. I don't know if preschool existed at that point or daycare. And if it did, I wasn't aware of it. Um, and so that was um, that was all a lot of fun. And uh, my earliest, I want to say my earliest memory of um I, I, I think this was this I would say that this was my first lesson in leadership and it was around age nine and mm-hmm. I remember being um being um a class monitor for the day or being appointed, you know, um uh, the class monitor prefect. And by the way, back in, in that day, I don't know if, uh, you know, it was common for teachers to have like a ruler and, you know, like gave you a tap on your hand or leg if there was uh, misbehavior. A little snack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, um, you know, when I was sort of appointed as like class leader for, you know, the day or the afternoon, um, I remember picking up that ruler, right? Because it was, you know, it was like power was transferred um, over to me, but without without really learning at that point that with great power comes great responsibility. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was, I think I was a fairly popular like child in school, but I remember when I picked up that ruler and walked around the classroom, um, the energy shifted so dramatically from my, from my peers. And, you know, one of my biggest trends is empathy and I pick up energy from a room, and um, I just remember that impacting me profoundly on, um, you know, how I was perceived when I was sort of one with everybody and just another student versus like taking on sort of this class prefect slash leader role and uh, walking around with a ruler. So I remember that uh, sort of profoundly, I think, influencing uh, my style of leadership and <laughs> learning very quickly that, um, wow. you know, how, how, how to wield power in ways that uh, wouldn't be alienating. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what a powerful lesson. And, and you said you were about nine years old? Yeah, I was in uh, grade four, yep, standard four at that time. Wow, that's incredible. And then how did you come to be educated in New York and Paris and San Francisco and end up at the Parsons School of Design. So that's um, a a journey. Yes, that is a journey. And I think um, it's really, when I think back at the core, it's really, you know, what's always driven me uh, and inspired me uh, both in the past and today is sort of that sweet spot between purpose and profit, right? That intersection Mm -hmm. point. And, um, Again, one of my earliest entrepreneurial ventures was, um, you know, when I was around eight or nine years and I opened a lending library in our backyard in um, Bangalore in the 1980s. And I was lending books to my friends for one rupee, right? That's less than a cent. Yeah. Um, and when I was a teenager, I was making stationery that I could sell and it launched my first business and I was getting custom orders by the time I was 18. So I think all of those um, experiences really helped like guide and shape my journey into design. And as a teenager- I've always, I always know we have a lot in common, but I didn't know these two things about you. And when my best friend and I were in second grade, we petitioned the teacher to start our own reading room because we were kind of bored with the, the books she was giving to to the class. So we started our own reading room and then other kids started coming to us and asking, like, could we also, you know, read your books? And 
And then also when I was younger, before I had Corbin, I started a stationery company. That is so is that funny. right? <laughs> yeah. I but know. I have nowhere near the design skills that you no, have. No, <laughs> but that's, those are really cool, um, you know, really cool threads. And also yeah, you just yeah. triggered another memory of like talking about activism and, you know, mm-hmm. campaigning mm-hmm. for a reading room. I was president of college. And mm-hmm. one of the things... Which we, college? Mount no, Carmel College in okay. Bangalore. And okay. uh, it was an election. I was elected president. It was, it was a pretty big deal. And I remember one of the, uh, the biggest sort of campaigns, if you will, was trying to get filtered water, right? So we had like mm-hmm. water taps available uh, for, for drinking water, but there were no sort of filtration systems. And um, I, I remember like the first couple of requests to sort of school administration, uh, and we had an incredible, incredible uh, principal, um, Sister Genevieve, who I think was a big influence and still inspires me to, today. Mm-hmm. Um, the first couple of requests were um, just, you know, didn't go anywhere, right? It was about whatever, the needing the funds to figure it out. And so I launched a campaign where I collected one rupee. It was about, we may have had a thousand students or maybe more. So in essence, if everyone um, donated a rupee, it would kind of, you know, come up to the amount of money that we needed for the filtration system. So first, I mean, I was told no. So I kind of broke the rules and said, I'm Mm going to do it anyway. Um, But I think it was also important that it was done in a way that it was not you know, just rebellion um, without a cause. And uh, so we managed to raise the money and then the principal called me in. And, um, you know, it was it was a really great conversation because she recognized that I'd broken the rules, but she also recognized the effort and that we were committed. And it wasn't just me. There was an entire student body uh, who had all, you know, voted Love with your it. wallet, so great. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another mm-hmm. theme that mm-hmm. you and I have yep. talked about later yeah. Uh, yeah. in our lives. So I think it's, um, you know, I mean, I, I so appreciate sort of your, you know, just the, the starting the conversation about, by digging back into our childhood, because mm-hmm. really the DNA and the, the seeds and the threads of who we are, you know, were um, were uh, the fabric, you know, the right, elements right. of that fabric like started early. I think we all sort of find that and have that within us. And so back to, um, you know, my journey into design, I remember uh, as a teenager, I had a fairly conservative upbringing and so very few opportunities to get into trouble. Uh, so my dad's bookshelf was where I spent a lot of time. And I remember reading John Scully's book, From Pepsi to Apple. Um, and that was his journey, going from CEO of Pepsi to CEO of Apple. And falling in love, not with the protagonist, but with a secondary character in the book who loomed larger than life, right? It was Steve mm-hmm. Jobs. Mm-hmm. And remember, this was 1990s India, and we were just starting to open up to American media and television. So Apple was by no means a household name. Like there was no, uh, there wasn't any, you know, predetermined like story about him. Uh, mm-hmm. I literally like learned about him through John Scully's book. And I just wow. remember sort of that relentless pursuit of a passion. Like that was a thing that struck me the most at that time. And it was, it made such an impression that, you know, it really seeded my desire to, um, to pursue my journey in design and move to the US, you know, when I was 21 years old to go to school in Parsons with literally $2,000. That was what my uh, dad could afford uh, to give me with, um, 
with really betting on nothing but myself, right? Like that was, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and now when I think back, you know, as I'm older, I'm much more um, cautious, I think, when it comes to uh, taking crazy risks. And uh, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm somewhat amazed at that 21-year-old who, um, you know, was so driven. And I had to prove over and over again that this was something that I really wanted because uh, I think it was good to have, you know, my parents didn't just make it super easy and like roll out a red carpet uh, for me, I think, and, and having to kind of overcome, you know, um, some no's and some obstacles along the way mm -hmm. just further helped strengthen not only my resolve, but also I think for them uh, seeing that this was more than just a whim. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, that uh, I had sort of set my mind to it and was going to do it anyway. So that's how I landed in New York and landed at Parsons. So there's definitely a theme of being told no or a little bit of a challenge and you saying, I will step up and meet that challenge. And and it's it's interesting thinking about, you know, what you were just sharing about your childhood and my own. And the whole nurture nature question of are you born with this sense of like self-efficacy like i can have an idea and i can run after it and i can make that idea come to fruition or were we just extremely blessed to have family and situations that enabled us to go after these ideas and and make them happen i would imagine a little bit of both I think but, it's a little bit of But it's really interesting that that was like, even as a child, yeah, you were already strengthening that muscle that then gave you the courage to come to New York as this young 21-year-old. Yeah. And, and what was your first job out of college? I'm curious. Um, out of college in Parsons? Yeah, yeah. So my first job was actually working at a fashion company as the assistant to the CEO because... As you know, I'm an immigrant, and um, when you move to the U.S. on a student visa, you get one year of something called OPT, Optional Professional Training, right, which mm -hmm, extends that mm -hmm. visa and allows you to uh, to work and find a job. But after that, you need to be sponsored. And uh, I remember, you know, kind of, it, it, it was a struggle back then, and it's a struggle now. Uh, but I finally found a job and somebody who was willing to sort of, you know, take mm -hmm. me on and underwrite that sponsorship. And I think I was paid about 30 grand uh, mm -hmm. a year. That was my, um, you know, starting job. But it was it was incredible. Right. And now when I when I think back and, and ever since then, like every subsequent job, which I kind of moved every two or three years, uh, I needed to go through that whole process um, again. And really, you know, it, it took somebody being willing to take a chance on this, you know, uh, mm -hmm. on this immigrant girl and have, and, and needing to prove that what I brought to the table was, was distinct and unique enough as compared to, you know, everyone else that was in that uh, interview pile. So again, when I think back, I feel really grateful um, for everyone who was willing to take a bet on me. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's such that's such a gift. You mentioned, I think, Sister Genevieve and then um, this this gentleman who, who yeah. first gave you your first opportunity. Yeah. It really is. You show up and, and then they open the door, right? Yeah. Because of what you brought to it. In 2009, I think you founded Pix Inc., yeah. which was then acquired by Factory X in 2015. Yeah. 
And I remember doing an ideation and strategy meeting with you. Well, we did a, a lot of them, I think, but or if memory serves me, um, but we did one on the terrace of the Claremont yes. in Berkeley. And, and I just remember listening to you and being so just blown away and inspired by you. What did you learn from that experience? Like, what were some of your key takeaways from that? Yeah, so, you know, the Factory X experience was amazing because the way I was introduced to Factory X, and by the way, uh, Tom Chi, who uh, wanted, was a Google Xer and the founder of Google Glass, uh, founded Factory X. It's a venture studio. And it was really with the vision to teach prototype thinking, right? And prototype mm -hmm. thinking mm -hmm. is the ability to de-risk and validate an idea as quickly as possible. And when you are a startup, you know, the, the, the sooner you can de-risk and validate, um, the better it is all around. And so I remember I was um, really pursuing and passionate about sort of like the Pixing chapter, you know, was kind of wrapping up and I was like, what's, what's this next thing? And as you mentioned, I was really um, uh, inspired and uh, kind of blown away from, by the power and the potential of the female economy, which, by the way, mm -hmm. till today, I still don't believe is realized. Still today, I still don't believe I agree. is, yeah. yes, that we, you know, that women. But we've got whole, some ideas around that. Yes, right? are, are, are truly sort of flexing that muscle. But, w you know, within that space, I was, um, I was, you know, I felt, I, I, I went, I, I explored both, like, sort of two sides of a platform, a media platform on one hand, um, to help, you know, bring together sort of the stories and the companies that were really putting their money where their mouth is when it came to, um, you know, making the world a better place for women. And on the flip side of that were all of the corporations that needed to kind of do that, um, do the work on the back end of, you know, culture and um, equity and inclusiveness to really redesign the um the, the corporate environment, so it felt truly, um, you know, tr truly sort of a, a, a space where women could flourish, right? Because we know that just corporate America, just the corporate world as we know it today, we, it was really designed uh, for men, and it wasn't ever designed for women at the core. And we always just needed to figure out a way to sort of squeeze, bend, twist, <laughs> you know, and fit in. <laughs> and so that was that was really the concept that I was trying to explore with Viv TV. And I think the gift, and you know, that was the brainstorming sessions that I did with you and Greg, kind of looking at that corporate model and how we could, you know, re uh, reinterpret that and really recognize the companies. Uh, that are doing the work that goes beyond just the platitudes, um, mm -hmm. and you know the tokenism that we we see that's 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 uh, sometimes quite you know all over the place. Be really yeah. dangerous, right? Because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, just like greenwashing, there's uh, you know DI washing, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. And and then that's yeah. that's uh, that's a problem uh, right there. So, um, so that whole process, um, Kimberly, which was an incredible experience, sort of learning and bringing to life, but the gift of being able to test that and validate that and actually have, you know, prospective like customers come in and mm -hmm. be on like the website or at least like the, the, you know, the, um, the, the base sort of MVP version that we had was, um, to really be able to gauge, is this going to be a for-profit? 
you know, um, um, a business or is this going to be a nonprofit, right? And just from the data in terms of the testing, it wasn't ready. So, you know, it, it just wasn't ready for, to be a purely commercial venture. It mm -hmm. might have been a great sort of for-profit, I mean, um, nonprofit venture, but that was not what I was looking uh, right. you know, to create and, um, you know, support at that point. So, so I think, um, but uh, the, the learning from all of that was really, I think the, uh, I wish in retrospect that I'd found factory earlier and sort of been able to test way earlier than, you know, I'd already did because, um, I think the whole, the ability to prosecute a thesis and to really de-risk and validate, any idea, right? Even mm -hmm. ideas we mm -hmm. have around, you know, race and culture and evolution, whatever it might be. Like, the, I think the ability to, um, you know, quickly test and prosecute those theses is is a gift, right? And that's that I think was the biggest learning. So before you you get mm -hmm. too attached mm -hmm. to your darlings, <laughs> you know, uh, what do you need to do to be able to? Uh, to really like put it through the rigor of, um, you know, right. the marketplace. Right. Is there, is there a market for it? Throw that spaghetti against the wall and yeah. see if it stinks, yeah. sticks, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, Ayesha, you bring up so many different things. I'm like, oh, I want to go there and there and there and there and there. Like just, you know, in that one answer. But, but because I know the female economy is such um, a, a, a area of interest for both of us, and, um, and, and you were talking about it wasn't quite the right timing for that last idea. And, and I feel like, I mean, you're, I want to hear more about your work right now, but, but also it's not just in the corporate sector, right? It's like, we know now that so many of our systems are breaking down our, our, you know, healthcare systems, our political systems, our environmental systems. There's not one part of the biosphere that isn't under threat of extinction, our economic systems you know, the, the disparities that are growing, the injustices. And, and there's so much evidence that that's really just tied in with how, as you said, it, the business was built, you know, for the, the white male. But it's, it's not just business. It's like the way that we are running society. And there's so many thousands of years of uh, us being on sort of this disparate path instead of remembering how we are all connected and we are part of nature. We're not a separate part and the balance of the masculine and the feminine yeah. really needing to come back together in, in every area, not just the boardroom. And I do think that there's, there's a movement I've been talking a lot lately about um, the regenerative revolution and the idea being that so many of our systems, including us, by the way, human beings, women, moms are breaking down, right? All these cracks are starting to show, but it's in those cracks that the light can get in and we can start to make a difference. Have you ever worked with uh, Mo Gadot? I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. He was the chief business officer for Google X. No, and he wrote, so I have he, not. So I have, I, have a, I have to admit, and maybe he'll hear this at some point and come on this podcast, mm -hmm. but I have a little bit of like an intellectual crush on him. He wrote a book called Solve for Happy oh, uh, and okay. then also a book called Scary Smart. And, and the latter, they're both both absolutely worth picking up and, and reading. But Scary Smart ties in with AI because mm. it's it's like we all hold this image of AI as like what we see in, in you know, some Hollywood movie, right? It's like this evil machine that's going to show up one day and, and take over and kill all of us. 
us. And, and what he posits is yeah. that, um, what, what, like it, perhaps the most critical, um, awareness or learning or, um, uh, way that we carry ourselves might be in our generation might be an awareness of, of AI. If we think of it as like an infant mm-hmm. that we're all raising together mm-hmm. and with every single click and yeah. like and follow and watch and purchase little baby AI is going, Oh, they care about that. Yes. Oh, they care about that. Oh, they God. care about this. Right. Yeah. So that down the line, which I, I mean, I've heard different numbers, but I think 2026 or 28 was, was when they were saying like AI will be smarter than any group of the smartest people in the world, put them in a room together and AI will have surpassed us. Right. Mm-hmm. So by the time baby AI becomes this adult, mm-hmm. we want to make sure it has really good values so that if there is one of those like evil guys you see in the Hollywood movie that says, you know, destroy all of those kind of people, it's going to say, well, no, because I've been taught by all of my parents, if you will, that we should respect each other and we should value differences and we should care about the animals and the clean air and the clean water and, and all these things. And, and, so he says at the beginning of the book, like it's, you start off really scary. Like, yes, there's the potential for it to go really, really bad. Mm-hmm. And I think, wow, what an empowering thing back to the self-efficacy that you and I were taught as young people. And, and I think are trying to raise our kids with that, that you can have impact. And so it just gives you this incredible feeling of like, every time you're clicking and liking and following and retweeting or posting, you're like, wait, what am I, what am I emulating for my baby, my baby II that's watching me, right? Because mm-hmm. what we do is so much more powerful than what we say. So I just, I, I just want, I, you have to read that book. And if you ever get to meet him or I ever get to meet him, I'll be so happy. Thank because you. I, just, I really I think will. It's, it's really and that it's was amazing. that was that was such a vivid sort of description of it. I mean, I I think it's 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 one of the best ways to create that connection of like just training AI, right? Having that idea right, of like right. baby AI is walking around being influenced by every single um click and like and you know, things that we save. It's 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 pretty incredible. Right. And it ties in with with, you know, you referenced you know, DEI and DEIJ earlier and, and, and being a a woman from India in America, Mm -hmm. um, you've had some pretty intense experiences and I'm sure all sorts of daily experiences of, 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 if not outright discrimination, just little, little infringements. So I want to talk about that, uh, that a little bit and just remind our listeners that Again, like, you know, one of the things we talk about is, well, let's say, you know, half the world is, is trying to become more anti-racist and to learn and to see how we can, can do better. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly a percentage that is going the other direction and in, in, out of fear. Yeah. And part of that is because of the algorithms that are driving and, and everything that we click like follow. And then that the silo that we end up living in. And so it like separates us even more. Yeah. So there's such a tie-in between that AI and the algorithms and, and uh, the differences that are pulling us apart right now and, yeah. and hurting us on so many levels. And and I, I, gosh, I think it was just this past year that I learned about, and we've known each other for what, like 11, 12 years, mm-hmm. I think. And, and so I just recently learned about 
the the really horrific experience um, you and your husband had in 2007 when he was attacked for his ethnic background while relaxing on a beach in South Lake Tahoe, Mm -hmm. this like gorgeous heavenly area. And all of a sudden you're dealing with this horrible situation and and the the man the assailant was convicted after a four-day trial and mm-hmm. and charged with a misdemeanor assault and battery charges and in a secondary federal charge of felony hate crime by the prosecuting attorney because he said something about like it reminded him of african americans being denied the right to use a public swimming pool yep. during the civil rights struggle in the south and mm-hmm. and just i mean I, when i read that and i don't remember how i stumbled upon it um, maybe it was even researching, getting ready for this podcast. But to to know that someone who I love so much, you had gone through that and I didn't know about it. And then visualizing it, I mean, I was just sobbing and I didn't live it. And you lived it. And, and I'm sure there's a part of it that you still live every day. And I just, um, how do you move forward after something like that? And, and what did you learn about yourself? Because you, you did not let that moment, that experience dim your light and your confidence and your shine and your passion at all. You keep moving forward. Well, thank you, Kimberly. Um, you know, I mean, it, this might be incredibly naive, but really that was the first time I was aware that I was a woman of color, right? I was 29 mm-hmm. years old. And um, it was at that experience when we were visiting um, Tahoe, and it was a few hours outside San Francisco. I'd only moved to San Francisco uh, two months, you know, prior to that. And before that, I lived in New York and Paris, where at least, you know, until that point, like all connotations around my skin color were positive. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I had literally never heard the term woman of color. Um, yeah. You know, it just wasn't in my, at least in, in my orbit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I, I don't, I hadn't even heard the term hate crime. I, I mm-hmm. learned of it when the police told me, and I remember him like distinctly, you know, when we were giving our statement saying, um, this is a hate crime, you know, racial slurs combined yeah. with assault and battery constitute a hate crime. And I was like, okay, that's what I've just experienced. Wow. <laughs> Whole new world just opened up and not for the better. Yeah. But, but here, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I just, I want to say, I mean, you touched on it um, on both counts when you were sort of mm-hmm. doing the summary um, and talking about, you know, um, what I learned and how I move forward um, I want to say that the, the biggest thing I learned was the lesson from Bashar, which mm-hmm. who I'm so proud of. Your husband. Yes, my yeah. husband, my mm-hmm. then fiance. Mm-hmm. Because um, I'll tell you my instinct, you know, it was all horrific. We had our 18, my 18 year old cousin who was visiting before she went off to college. And just in that, in that moment, like I remember finally driving down, coming back into San Francisco, um, my instinct was to to sort of be like, yes, you know, uh, Vishal like was was you know had multiple like fractures, right, and mm-hmm. um, literally has um, multiple broken bones in his face and still has some you know mild mm-hmm. disfigurement, um, disfigurement and vertigo, you know, till today as mm-hmm. a result of that. Um, but you know, like we so were. Awful. We we were uh, my whole thing was you know I got into like survival mode and sort of mm-hmm, just being like mm-hmm. we're alive you know yeah this could yeah. have been a whole lot worse but we're okay mm-hmm. and I wanted to put it behind me and move on 
Yeah. Um, and I think what I what Vishal taught me was was like absolutely not like you know to to really have a sense of zero tolerance, right, mm-hmm. for something like this to not to not sort of to not just accept that we're still alive and therefore we're okay onward right, right. and and right. that and mm-hmm. that in itself should should be um you know should be um basis to to move on and put it behind us but and i think uh that was i think the first like really it, it was a profound realization that it's important to have zero tolerance for being mm-hmm. treated as less than anywhere yeah, yeah, anywhere yeah. right uh, it doesn't matter where you're from, you know, what socioeconomic background, it's just zero tolerance to uh, to not allow another human being be who they are and accept them for who they are. So I think that was right, hugely right. powerful. And, yeah. uh, and, and it was painful, right? Because it means that we had to go over this over and over again. This is not something I could just put behind me and sort of move on. We were getting married like literally a month later mm-hmm. uh, in India. Oh. And... Uh, and um and you know the the we 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 weren't ready to kind of go back up to Tahoe in person to testify so we you know gave our testimonies over the the phone and it was heartbreaking to um you know the first verdict by the state court was uh they were let off with uh, with battery they weren't mm-hmm. you know tr- um um, convicted of a felony and the, it wasn't sort of ruled as a hate crime and that was really disappointing. I remember uh, reading some press about it and, you know, <laughs> I think, thank goodness I don't get written about a lot because as you know, when you get into the comments fields, it's <laughs> complete... Mm, horrible. Uh, yeah. It, Do it, not it, go to comments. Exactly. It's, it's a complete, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like being, I feel like in a Roman arena, you know. <laughs> yes. And the stones <laughs> oh, With and a lion arrows. set upon you. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I, you know, all of those aspects were like, you know, really eye-opening. At the same time, I think, um, you know, the the institutions we work very closely with the South Asian Bar Association, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who was helping guide and support us. Um, you know, my work was so supportive. I was working at Duarte at that time. Um, friends were supportive. Um, you know, and, 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 and for me, the miracle of everything was, um, this FBI officer, special resident, uh, who was based in Tahoe, uh, it was really his due diligence. You know, we, we didn't know because we weren't there in person, but he was, um, you know, he was at the, uh, courthouse during the case. And um, he called us two months later and said that he didn't believe that the case was tried fairly, right? And that's mm-hmm. when it was, so that's uh, it, yeah, right. it went up to the mm-hmm. uh, federal court. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's pretty rare when dual sovereignty is, um, mm-hmm. you know, exercised. I think it was a Rodney King case. I mean, mm-hmm. w- you mm-hmm. know, which everyone kind of knows um, was a similar, uh, a similar, you know, outcome. But... It's, 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 it's just knowing that, you know, here is, you know, an office of the law, like, you know, truly like doing his job, um, and following through and we get, and this, this thing gets a second chance to be tried fairly, right? And ultimately, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, they got, they were facing up to 10 years in prison. They were, um, you know, convicted of a hate crime. They, they, this had happened to several other people. There were a lot more witnesses who came forward when this was, uh, tried in the federal court. So, mm-hmm. um, I think, 
I, I think for me, to, you know, personally, sort of having that closure, like that positive sense of closure, made a big difference in shaping sort of my outlook, right? To, mm-hmm. um, you know, to, to believe that and trust that, you know, truth and justice and fairness will prevail, even if the path seems really dark. And I think sometimes, yeah. you know, I still need to believe in that. Like that's something mm-hmm. I, you know, otherwise, what do I teach my child, <laughs> right? right, right. Um, yeah. And and so um, so yeah. So that was um, you know that was kind of the the journey and experience um, you know that stemmed from uh, that incident up in South Lake Tahoe. And I think yeah, um, yeah it's it's going to always now be part of you know the fabric of our lives, a journey for Vishal and myself, mm-hmm. you know, and ultimately for. Um, you know, our son, who I'm sure will hear the story someday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just, um, I haven't told you this yet, but I just found out last week Mm -hmm. that, and my, that my, and my mom just found out a few weeks prior that her father, you know, they're, they're from Hungary and they escaped in the 56 revolution. Her father had been put in jail during World War II for harboring over 500 Jews in the factories he owned around, around Hungary, trying to save them. And, um, I knew he had helped, like, you know, I'd heard him talk about helping save some Jews, but 500 plus and being put in jail. And he was so severely beaten while he was in jail that he ended up with anxiety and migraines the rest of his life. Hmm. Even, even after he, you know, came to America and, and it just, I mean, it, it was like a gut punch that this man who I loved so much and, and had played such a role in my childhood and was so kind and generous and elegant and, to know that he carried this around with him and he didn't talk about it. And, and it was all based on this fear of the other. And, and it just like, it, it, it's, you just, you made a comment about that truth and justice mm-hmm. will prevail. Mm-hmm. And I think like the bottom line with that is it's not in the courts. It's not, it's not in our, our legal systems that, 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 that real reckoning comes, but it's with mother nature, which, you know, my work with Siri C is all based on that, that it's, it's the, the most successful designer in the world is, is mother nature. Right. And, and she tells us over and over and over again, that, that diversity is, is the way to go. Like that creates a stronger um, system. Right. And, and we know that we see it in the corporate space with, you know, boardrooms and teams and a diversity of thought you come up with. I mean, you, you, you know, you, you live this every day, but, but I, I, it struck me that the connection between like your story that you were just sharing and, and then just having learned that about my grandpa. So it's really raw. And then the, the, how do we instill hope and, um, hope in our children that that truth and justice will prevail and it feels like it's it's in remembering that that nature is calling us to task right yeah. the, the climate stuff that we're going through right now and and so whew, heavy that's, stuff that's, um, i mean that first kimberly i thank you for sharing that i had no yeah. idea i mean your grandfather yeah. is a hero yeah right yeah. and yeah and i don't know that he was ever recognized for it 
no publicly um or anywhere for that matter and that makes me a little sad and i think i know i can't believe i'm not crying right now because every time i've thought about it the last few days i've just started bawling incredible (laughs) but what an incredible legacy for Mm -hmm. you for Mm -hmm. corbin for you know uh and and i feel like you have to capture that story and write it down you know the story of your parents and your immigration to the states Mm -hmm. and i Mm -hmm. and um I, I'm so glad we live in a world where you, you know, we can now publish our own stories, right? Because right. I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, and, and and not for you know profit or fame, but really for um, for, for for the story to be preserved yeah, and for yeah. mm-hmm. our own families to know, right? There's, yeah. um, I think there's so much that we we don't know, uh, you know, and yeah, uh, you yeah. know, acts of courage and heroism and you know, sacrifice and bravery. And in, in I, I think, pretty much like every one of our lives. Every like, day. And, every but, day. They're, they're, but no one sees that. You know, these are all yeah. like your, the everyday unsung heroes. And it um, every time I hear about something like this, it, 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 it makes me, it always makes me wonder, you know, there have been hundreds of thousands of people who were formally recognized and mm-hmm. rewarded, right, and awarded uh, for a similar act of courage. And yet, you know, here's your granddad who actually only experienced sort of the, the negative consequences, right, right to his right. health, um, yeah. and w- n- never once kind of had like the, um, you know, the, the celebration of a, of, a, of a hero, which is what, right. what he was, so... Right. But I think it, I mean, thank you for saying that. Uh, And I think it it just gave me even more drive in my work and more commitment to, you know, I think you know this about me and now even more with with Series C and and also uh, Momfluentials Mm -hmm. that that I'm looking for ways of like, how do we cross these bridges and and find universal truths that, you know, like you and I are both moms and and with Momfluentials, the concept being that like, pretty much every single mom you talk to is going to say they want the same basic things for their child, right? Safety, um, a sense of belonging, love, uh, food, shelter, water, you know, that sort of thing, uh, some sort of purpose feeling in their life, connection with other people. So like, how can we use those commonalities to start moving, progressing faster as a society toward, toward healthier, more just ways of being more sustainable, more regenerative? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's intense, but I, but I really think that, that, that we can do it. And, and like I said, the breaking down is causing the cracks to open and the light to come in. And it's not just the big heroes. It's the, you know, it's like that big story you just told. And then the microaggressions that happen all the time Mm -hmm. with people of, of color and minorities and, and, so yeah, it's 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 how we show up every day, and and um, you show up very it courageously. Is. And really, I think that's why what you're doing with Series C is like so incredibly important and fascinating to me. You touched upon it with, you know, the wisdom of nature. And by the way, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you may you may know, you know, talking about how. Um, you know, we remember that we have common bonds, you know, mm-hmm. and remember our universal sort of concerns. I mean, really, primarily is to remember that we're homo sapiens, right, which literally translates, <laughs> it's Latin for wise man, or as I prefer, mm-hmm. a wise person, right, so it's not gender. <laughs> um, and that, 
all of modern humanity originated from Africa. So it, it mm-hmm. blows my mind for us to have like these artificial differences that yeah. divide yeah. us when our roots yeah. are all the same. And now it, it takes me straight back into sort of the biodiversity of nature and mm-hmm. the wisdom in nature. And I think, you know, like thinking back to your book on, you know, uh, scary smart and mm-hmm. the power of AI and as as much as I value intelligence and 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 smartness, um, I really think that overall, as a culture, um, especially maybe as as an American culture, we don't value wisdom enough. Mm, yeah, right. We yeah. also believe mm-hmm, that wisdom mm-hmm. is something that is uh, age and experience related. Whereas I think you mm-hmm. and I both know that you know. A three-year-old can have profound wisdom and mm-hmm. have have more intuitive wisdom, and yeah. um and and that's why I'm I'm so you know what you're doing with Series C is so important, right? Because it's it's bringing in the language and the wisdom of our natural environment into mm-hmm. a very artificial corporate environment. Yeah and, yeah, and how you know, and how the, the, you know both those spaces can reconcile. So I'd love to learn more and like just hear you talk about you know how you sort of bridge some of that space between you know what you observe in you know nature's sort of wisdom in terms of growth and scale and abundance and you know mm-hmm. prosperity mm-hmm. and how that maps to some of the. Um, you know, the objectives that drive corporations. Right, right. Yeah, such a good question. And I think one of the, like the simplest answer Mm -hmm. for, for this, you know, the sake of timing in this conversation is, is we, we moved, oh gosh, I don't know how many thousands of years ago, but we, we moved into a really mechanistic way of thinking Mm. and the way that we're running our corporations, oftentimes the way we're running our households, our relationships, they're really based on a machine, right? Like how do all the parts break down and and like what what are the different bottom lines? When really all of these things are living systems, it's none of us operate in a vacuum, Mm -hmm. you know, so one tweet that goes out, right? That has a bunch of impact, you know, one comment, one person on your team having a bad day or going through something or feeling uh, insecure that day or a, or a leader who's, you know, someone in your C-suite who's, who's having a bad day and then they take it out on, you know, someone, all these little things, like they're so connected and, mm-hmm. and we really, we don't think and operate as a living system. And so the more that we can, you know, start to to just think about that and and let that just kind of you know percolate into your your thoughts it's it's just a really simple simple thing that we can start to to carry as we we make our word choices as we look at our strategic planning you know as we set what our bottom lines are and and so that's just i mean that's just a really really simple little it is. Um, and i realize you know we don't even need to look as far as nature, like literally looking at ourselves, like the human body, right? Well, we are nature, right? We are yeah, we are, nature. right? We, yeah. The, the mm-hmm. living system, mm-hmm. like the you know, yeah. the that that's our body. And I'm I'm so curious, like so. Do you, I feel like it, it's the compartmentalization of our mm-hmm. lives, our bodies, even the way we treat our bodies, right? Like Western mm-hmm. medicine mm-hmm. is very much about 
zoning in on the one part that's broken right. and trying to fix it, um, irrespective sometimes of, you know, what the consequences, impact, causes are, um, you know, that might be related. And, um, and, and I'm, and I'm really, really curious whether it was, it, you know, it's, it's the, the whole like industrial movement that was responsible for like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the compartmentalization, if you will, of, you know, lives and our, the way we look at things. Um, or did it precede that? Like, do you, do you have any idea? Like, yeah, yeah. I have no clue when that started. Absolutely. I mean, back, you know, back in the day, we, we all did live when, you know, in the way some indigenous peoples still live is like, there was this just knowing of, of all of us being connected. Um, Native Americans talk about, you know, the, the, the web of white life, the circle of life and, and being in balance, the sacred hoop, walking a good heart path. And that, that was just how, how you were. It was just like the way that you breathe in and out. It was that same. It was just, that was how you lived. You had that knowledge, right? And then, and then you had like the, the agricultural revolution, the industrial revolution, the scientific revolution, the technological revolution. And each of those started creating kind of these separations mm-hmm. of like the separation of the masculine and the feminine, mm-hmm. the separation of the left brain and the right brain, yep. the, you know, the system versus the parts, the creative versus the, the analytical, um, the, the outer nature and inner nature. And so we've, we've had all these revolutions that have separated us, mm-hmm. hence the term regenerative revolution, where we're starting to, uh, looking at nature, everything regenerates in nature, right? The circle of life, right? Um, The way that leaves fall off the tree and compost, and that helps nourish the the next season's blossoms coming through, right? And and so I think our hope, we we talk a lot about hope because we're both moms and and we want to carry hope in our hearts Mm -hmm. and, and give it to our children. Is, is this opportunity that this era is, um, for regeneration and to start reconnecting those parts that each of the prior revolutions has sort of separated. Let's take the fantastic things that we have come up with. I mean, AI, who would have dreamt? Like, mm-hmm. that's incredible, right? Mm-hmm. But how are we going to use it? You know, the, the, the technologies, the, the medical, like, there's so many incredible, um, farming, like, I, 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 I don't mean to, I want to make sure it's not a negative thing. Mm-hmm this separation because there's we learn from each one of those but let's take the best of all that and then let's bring back in the the greatest teacher of all that that creates you know big part of why we're all here is is the you know the gift of life right um spiritually and um scientifically and and so um let's start bringing some some balance in between uh and back to to all those separations let's start bringing it back together and i think that that's where we're gonna find some of our answers that we need right now yep and so may your tribe increase kimberly <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> so thank you proud of the work that you're doing Aww, thank, thank you. you likewise thank you so a couple questions yeah. um, as we finish up here and and um it's just such a pleasure talking to you I, I i just love it so much and love you so much and so grateful for you in my life and and the world and your sweet husband and son and when you think about like what are what are um, what are two things or three things that you really want to make sure that as your son is growing up, like what do you want to? What are the tools you want to make sure he has? Mm. <laughs> I put you tools. on the spot with that one. Huh? I, I, yeah, yeah, there was a big sigh. It's a lot of responsibility. <laughs> 
uh, when you start to think about it and deconstruct it. I'm not sure if I would um, focus so much on the tools because the mm -hmm. tools and the tactics might change. Mm -hmm. It's more of the philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. And the ethos, yeah, the that. strategy yep. that I would want to, um, you know, be able to share with them. And, and really, at the end of the day, it's to be a net positive human being, right? Mm -hmm. There's a great book mm -hmm. by uh, a f the former CEO of Unilever called Net Positive, which um, mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. you know, just started reading. And really, that's summarized as, as a business that improves the well-being for mm -hmm. everyone it impacts, uh, yep. you know, when future generations of planet itself, and using that as a North Star. And I mm -hmm. really think that's applicable to each one of us as human beings, mm -hmm. right? How do we all that. get to be net positive human beings? where every situation and person that we encounter in our journey through life, that we are leaving it better than, than how we found it. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think it's, it's really sort of that philosophy for me that's super important that I would be, you know, that I'd want to impart as much as possible to uh, my son and hope that, you know, he'd continue to build on that legacy but I, I think if we all really focus on that like think of that culminative uh the cumulative impact mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah i love that <laughs> it's that old the the uh as a person who's done a lot of backcountry mountaineering you always want to leave things better than you found them mm -hmm. <laughs> so i love that now one of my questions i i like to ask is your favorite childhood book and your favorite current book. So would that be this net positive? By the way, um, wait, I just have to, I don't want to skip over Unilever. Yeah. They're, they're a company that, that really their work, um, they are a regenerative company. They really are trying to look at, at, at things as a system and they're doing some great work. So I oh, love I'm that you're reading that book. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yes, your favorite childhood book and your favorite current book. So um, I'm, I I think it's hard for me to pick a favorite childhood <laughs> book, but I will pick an author that I okay. loved and lived on, okay. I think. Um, her name was Enid Blyden. And she's an English children's author. I think she died in um, 1968. But, uh, and she left behind a tremendous body of work, everything from, you know, adventure series, like the Famous Five, the Secret Seven, um, you know, stories of like boarding school stories, like Mallory Towers and St. Clair and, you know, the, the naughty books. Like, I love them all. Mm -hmm. And every book that I read would inspire like some kind of reenactment in real life, right? So it was a very immersive uh, yep. <laughs> experience. <laughs> yep. uh, so great. yeah, huge, huge impact, like beloved, beloved author. And uh, I think really shaped <laughs> a good percentage of my childhood. Yeah. Uh, and my current, I have two, I, I, I mentioned Net Positive by um, Paul Pullman and Andrew Winston, I think, um, mm -hmm. who also was part of Unilever leading sustainability there. Uh, but the other one that I've been really enjoying is one by uh, Deepa Purushottam, and it's called mm -hmm. The First, The Few, and The Only. And it is about um, just women of color and, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of that call to action to, um, to really find the power from within, right, and come together in community uh, to advocate for new environments, not just in the corporate world, but culturally as well, where, you know, we all truly belong and are accepted on our own terms. Mm, love that. 
I'm going to ask you to send me the link to that. Yes. And, and for our listeners, I will put all of the links to all of the books that we have referenced or the author into the, the resources at the bottom. Because these sound like some must reads. I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, one more question. Where can our listeners find you and follow you and learn more about you? Um, LinkedIn. Okay. Is probably best and Twitter. Great. Um, okay. Yeah. Both just looking up my name. Mm -hmm. You'll okay. be able to find me. And of course, you have a beautiful website because you well, are I have such a, a very basic, designer. very basic website, yeah, which is not great for somebody good. in Brian and Creative. But mm, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Going back to the basics, yes. right? The, the simpler, it will have cleaner, to do. the better. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Um, well, thank you so, so, so much. I just so appreciate the way you walk in this world, you showing up. And, and um, for me, joining you today, it just meant so much and so much fun to like learn new things about you, too. Kimberly, thank you. And thank you for it felt like a very, very self-indulgent one hour, but it was amazing. <laughs> and I, you know, I think we should do more irrespective of podcasts uh, or uh, recordings like this conversation has been food for my soul and mm, likewise, has yeah, really yeah. Um, you know your leadership and uh, life you know has always been inspiring whether it was when you were uh, running eco mom whether it was in your role of leadership at St. Domenico's and now with everything you're building but Series C and Mom Fluentials, I am um, just grateful to have your wisdom and guidance Thank showing you. us the way. And I can't wait to come over and, and have a dance party. Yes, soon. <laughs> we will do that. Thank All you. Right. You take Bye. care. Thank you. Bye. And thank you, too, for joining us here at the Mom Fluentials podcast, where we're talking about harnessing our collective power for good. And we're not just talking about moms, social media influencers, but moms who are making seriously positive impact, working toward a more peaceful, regenerative, equitable, and sustainable world for all of our children. Thank you for all you do. Thank you to all of our supporters and partners also. To learn more about our work, visit momfluentials.com and come back soon for more inspiration and fun.